Hi, I'm Mike Farraher, and welcome to Taste. I spent almost 25 years writing about music and culture for the Irish Voice and IrishCentral.com, as well as This Is Your Brain on Shamrocks, my collection of humorous essays about growing up Irish, Catholic, and guilty in the swamps of New Jersey. During that time, I got to sample the best music and food and films our Celtic culture has to offer. And on Taste, I will be interviewing the tastemakers of modern Irish and Irish-American culture on both sides of the Atlantic. This will be a conversation about the food we grew up with, the exciting transformation of Irish cuisine that is delighting the most discerning culinary palates, and what to expect next in Irish and Irish-American music, theater, and film. And you better be sure we'll wash it all down with a pint or two. Thanks for tuning in and hope this intro awakened your taste buds. Let's get started. Well, here we are for another edition of Taste, and we have a taste maker, I would call him, uh, in George Heslin. And George is currently the New York Irish Center uh, Executive Director in Long Island City. And prior to that, where I got to know George was for the last 20 plus years, he was the Executive Director of the Origin Theater Company. So he has definitely been a tastemaker in and around New York City and actually on both sides of the Atlantic. And it's an honor to have him on. And I want to welcome George to the podcast of Taste. Welcome. Thank you, Mike. It's great to be here. And thank you for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, no problem at all. No problem at all. We don't know each other that well, but what I do know of you, you've always been somebody that has been a real champion of connecting Irish uh, voices in the theater, musical theater, entertainment to an American audience. And I'm just curious, where did that passion come from to do that for you? Well, I suppose for me, um, my journey to America was not planned in that my father applied for my green card. Um, I was happily living in London working as an actor at the time and it was my father applied for my green card. Um, so it was that green card that brought me to the States. Um, in the mid-90s, and I ended up studying here for two years with a legendary acting teacher called Uta Hagen. Um, and, you know, I've been very fortunate as an artist, as an actor, in that I've toured America a lot. And one of the things I discovered when I toured the States was just the perception of what contemporary Irish culture was. So, as you mentioned, in 2002, I started Origin Theatre Company, but it was through the theatre that I really felt that we needed to build a cultural bridge. At least that was the that was my background and expertise. So... The only bridge I knew how to build was a cultural bridge. So in particular, from a theater perspective. So, you know, I think being brought up in the theater, you are automatically a community person. You certainly have to be somebody who is easy to work with because we get to work with a lot of great people on our journey. And, um, you know, it's a mixture of the cross-pollination of relationships that I had and the theater company going and kind of putting it all together, building that cultural bridge. Um, but that, that's always kind of inspired me, the kind of transatlantic conversation in, in every arena, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and to your point, I mean, I think if you kind of scan some of the Irish festivals you might see out there, it's uh, I call it like a lot of plastic patty shamrockery. You know, it's just a, a twisted view of what Irish culture is. And um, what I really loved about the, in the shows that I went to at the Irish uh, at the Origin Theater is just how authentic and in some cases how raw those stories were, and they were very uh, earthy, true to life, uh, provocative. So I, I, I think that was a real 
uh, interesting, uh, not a wake up call, but maybe it was, but I guess my question around that would be, how did the Irish American audiences react when you brought things like that over? Because it was definitely a confront to what they might think is actually going on in Ireland. The first thing is, I think we are very, we're very, we're very lucky in Ireland. We're very fortunate that we have a lot of playwrights. But one of the reasons we have a lot of playwrights is we do produce the work. You know, there's a lot of incredible theatre companies across Ireland and art centres that have nurtured playwrights for years and years, and through the Arts Council and Culture Ireland and other great organisations. In terms of that, we've been very lucky in, in terms in Ireland in terms of like the, the amount of um, a the amount of work that's available to bring to America. But I think American audiences, particularly New York audiences, are very educated. And Irish audiences in New York, they've seen a lot. Um, you know, the one thing that Origin we didn't focus on was the music side of things. So, you know, as you mentioned, there's some great music festivals across the States, but our, our festival is purely dedicated to theatre, you know. The audiences are very, very receptive, number one. And, and you know, anyone, any Irish person who lives in New York, or, you know, by its nature, New York open, opens your mind to many, many cultures, not just Irish culture, but, but overall, I think the audiences have been amazing and responsive and, and they, want, they want new stories. You know, they're interested in new stories and certainly in Ireland, you know, even with our, our piece that we found in the last 25 years, you know, we've an incredible array of Northern Irish playwrights doing exceptional work as well, you know? But no, New York audiences have been, ex have been exceptional in the response to the work. Yeah, yeah. And then how do you, you know, be it now in your role in the New York Irish Center and also within your role in the Argent Theater for many, many years, how do you land on what you think is worthy of the audience and, and whatnot? I mean, is that something that you sort of decide, decide as the executive director? Is that through a committee? And what are the kind of things that you're looking at now as you're looking at programming for the New York Irish Center? Well, I, I, I began here at the New York Irish Center as executive director 14 months ago. So I fortunately got this job in the middle of the pandemic. And when I started here at the center, um, I'm very proud to say that the center actually never closed its doors during the pandemic, um, remained open at all times to serve the community, which is an amazing testament to the, the mission of the organization here. So when I got here, one of the things that we took the time while COVID was going on, number one, to kind of re-examine all of the programming that existed to date. Obviously under my predecessor, Paul Finnegan, there was incredible great programming. Uh, Jane McCarter, who was the former um, director of arts and culture here, had created a lot of programs. So, you know, during COVID, while we were, I suppose, we were kind of on slow motion. Um, and it was a great time to start the job because it really allowed me to work with the team here. I have great colleagues, Stephen and Ryan here, Ryan McNally and Stephen Long. Um, and we basically sit down and we put everything on the table as to what, 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 what existed in the, in the history and also what we felt was successful, what was needed and what was responded to by the community. So with that in mind, we have broken our, our year up into four seasons, uh, winter, spring, summer, and fall. So we're currently in our winter season, which basically is January, February, and March. So with that, we kind of, you know, during the pandemic, we have launched 16 new programs. And they are everything from, we have a comedy club here now at the New York Irish Center. And we have a jazz club here. Um, we have um, a new movies called Reading in the Shorts, which are, we were asking all Irish filmmakers from across New York, we're showing on March 3rd. That's an evening dedicated to the short movies that were made by the Irish artists here in New York during the pandemic. So another um, um, event we're looking at is our Children's Winter Festival. And another program we launched is Between the Lines, which is, that's a series dedicated to innovators, thinkers, 
and literary mind. So a big part of it is kind of repackaging the programming so that, you know, the idea is that we would every quarter, we would have one jazz session, we would have one comedy night, um, we would launch one book. Um, we would, you know, we have probably two pieces of theatre, like we have Tom Crean coming up on March 14th. That's Aidan Dooley, who's travelling from London. And Tom Crean is a wonderful one-man show um, inspired uh, by Tom Crean, um, who was one of the heroes, the unsung heroes, who's from Ireland. And uh, this is the one-man show where they explore him and Shackleton and Scott um, exploring the, the um, travels to the South Pole. So that's a performance that we have on the 14th of March. And then on St. Patrick's Day, I'm delighted to say that we're going to open the building for an all-day event. Um, it's called the 40 Shades of Green Party. So it's from 3 p.m. until 9. And basically, we have 40 musicians on two floors on stage all day. So wow. really kind of making the centre a hub for St. Patrick's Day. Um, and, and also throughout um, yeah, th throughout the year, you know, with, the, with our new programming. That's great. That's great. And we'll be right back. An inviting smile. That's what people hear in my voice, and that's usually the tone that people want associated with their brand. Sure, I can steam up the windows with a sexy cadence. Even that can be delivered with a smile. You need a girl next door? I'm your girl. Commercials, narrations, explainer videos, even phone systems. I'll bring the smile to your brand. Check out my brand new website, smilingvoice.com. All right, and we're back with George Heslin. So, so tell me a little bit of, you know, this is taste, right? So we talk a little bit about food. We always like to, to do that. And, you know, how often do you get back to Ireland now? And um, I know that when I went over there in the 70s and 80s, uh, you'd almost have to pack your own food because there wasn't a lot of great variety in the restaurants and things tended to be roasted. Not that, not that people were a bad cook per se, but at all, there were good cooks, but it just wasn't very much, uh, very imaginative fare, let's just say growing up and it was roasted in all one pot. Um, that's really come a long way. So in your travels back, what kind of transformation have you seen in, in the food part of, uh, of Irish culture? Well, I go back to Ireland about twice a year, usually over the summer months for a little bit and then at Christmas time usually, you know. But I think, um, you know, I think most definitely Ireland is on, you know, there's exceptional um, food in Ireland now with some of, you know, incredible restaurants in every, in every city in Ireland. Capitals like Kinsale, which are very famous for, for fish and stuff like that. But, um, but overall, I would say this, the food quality in Ireland, uh, you know, particularly farm to table, because little did we think when we were all growing up that we were eating organic vegetables just because that's all you did. <laughs> yeah. You got everything from you the were, you were You were farm to table way before it was cool. We were, yeah, we were farm to table long before it was created. But um. But, you know, that's the beautiful thing about growing up in Ireland is, that, you know, everybody, somebody once said to me, everybody in the country is two or three generations from the land and the land is very close to everyone, you know. So as a result, you know, we have exceptional, you know, fruits, vegetables in Ireland. And a lot of, a lot of that to do as well is, is with the influx of new, new migrants into the country. And just like how Irish people have gone across the globe to set up homes, we're delighted to welcome so many new cultures to Ireland. And they, they too bring with them um, their food tastes and their food groups and, you know, obviously in Ireland today, we have pretty much every every type of restaurant available, particularly in Dublin, you know, but also in Limerick, where I'm from, is a great city for food. And of course, Galway and Cork, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It was funny. The last time I was over there, um, my my mom's from Limerick, actually, County Limerick. She's oh, uh, I didn't she, know that. Where is she from? Uh, Ballylanders. Oh, wow. I know. Well, 
Yeah, so she's from Valley Landers. So the last time I was there, which was uh, back in 20, right before the pandemic, actually, I got, I squeezed one last quick visit in. And there was a Chinese restaurant in, in Valley Landers, which for anybody that knows it, it's like one road in, that's it. And I couldn't believe there was a Chinese restaurant there. And I was thinking to myself, we were really hungry. I thought, are we going to chance that? I, I'm not too sure. But uh, I was just thrilled that there was that kind of um, cultural diversity in, in, in that kind of an outpost, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, it is great. I mean, there's definitely pretty much, a, you know, I was I was speaking to in Bray. I was in Bray last summer having dinner, and I got speaking to the Italian, um, the Italian owner of the restaurant, and I, we were chatting about the influx of the Italians to Ireland. Um, you know, with the, we have chip, fish and chip shops all over Ireland, and he was saying that was very much in the 1950s and 56, 57 um, was a big influx of Italian immigrants to Ireland. But of course, the 50, 56 and 57 was also a big influx of Irish immigrants to the immigrants to the states at that time. You know. Um, a lot of our senior program, we have a senior program here on Wednesday for an, our active retirement group. And uh, we serve lunch here at one o'clock every Wednesdays at the New York Irish Center. And it's great to meet that community because a lot of those people moved to America in 56, 57, around that time as well, you know. But clearly a time of travel for, for many nationalities, the mid 50s. Yeah, that for sure. And I, I actually, that's that's around the time my mom and dad came. So they're uh, they're 80 and 87, respectively, still in good form, thank God. And but that's all that's along the time that they uh they came over and you know they saw that uh they saw that movie Brooklyn and man that just brought it back all the memories for them because that's that was very much their experience so for sure and it's it's great that uh getting that group together as you are I, I know uh the Glucksman Ireland house was actually doing an audio uh library of their stories of which my mom and dad are in there um, it's, it's it's so great to kind of preserve those stories and and preserve that community uh, that came over in the 50s and 60s because they've got a, a wealth of culture and uh, and stories to tell, don't they? Yes, they do. And uh, we actually here at the center, we have started recording those those stories as well. Uh, we have a podcast here called Centerpiece. So we've actually been documenting various immigrant stories as well at the moment, you know, so it's, it's very important to keep those stories and to share those stories. And I must say what I've learned in the Irish Centre in the last 14 months is just an incredible, robust Irish community here that we, we always knew was here, but just incredible, just in terms of the jobs that some of these seniors have had over the years and also how that generation really built, built, um, built, we talk about cultural bridges, but it was this generation that built, built the, the platform for us to have access to New York. And we must never forget the great people like Adrian Flanley and people like that who really, you know, from a green card perspective, from an immigrant policy perspective, were at the forefront of that conversation, you know, leading, leading the path for my generation, you know, and indeed the generation after us. We must never forget what those immigrants achieved. You know, when we arrive in New York, we say it's a great welcome for the Irish people. It is a great welcome for many good, but it's because of the people who went before us that created good relationships, that had a great work ethic, that, you know, they very much made Ireland a stamp of reliability and approval. From the great work that that emigrant, the immigrants have achieved in the past, you know. Yeah, for sure. So, when you're uh, hankering for a taste of uh, Irish from home, what are some of the restaurants that you find yourself uh, dropping into uh, on this side of the Atlantic to get that fix of a of a fry or a, a fish and chips or whatever else? Well, there's a few places, you know. I mean, you know, there's many many restaurants in New York, but I must say the Churchill Tavern and Twenty Eighth and Park do, do an exceptional. Sunday roast that me and my friends very often 
gather there. Uh, Churchill Tavern, uh, Sinead Nocton is the owner there. Um, and uh, the Bank Cafe on 30th and 3rd is another oh, yeah. great place. Um, many nights of the week, it's a great place, not just for Irish food, but for great food overall. And, you know, we'd be remiss of me if I didn't mention the Woodside Cafe in Woodside, who have the best Irish breakfast in Queens, I think. Um, but there's many great, great restaurants, you know, um, all the restaurants along um, um, in North Manhattan, um, in Stone Street, you know, Ulysses, the Beckett's, all yeah. those great places as well. And then there's Bloom Tower, Bloom's Tower and 58th Street between 2nd and 3rd, um, another great place to go for, for Irish food, you know? Yeah, so there's, 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 there's money. Tavern. Those are on my list as well. I also like, you know, because I did so many Black 47 shows there, I, I, uh, I'm partial to Connolly's on 45th as well. Um, yes. You now in the theater district, that, that's good there as well. But yeah, I've, uh, I haven't been out to Woodside in a long time, but I've definitely, Ulysses and uh, Bloom and, and Stout, even they, they do a pretty decent food and uh, right by the Madison Square Garden as well. So uh, for sure, there's, there's, there's lots of great stuff. So how do people get in, in touch with the New York Art Irish Center? I know you're, you're doing the Lord's work there and just keeping the culture alive. So how do people get in touch with you and also uh, support uh, your efforts as well? Well, all of our programming is at uh, newyorkirishcenter.org and everything can be seen there. You know, we our programming is announced three months in advance, so it gives people time to, um, to put it in their diaries. So like I said, everything is up on the website right now and all of our events including our St. Patrick's Day events um, that are on here. We have the Screaming Orphans, which is a girl band from Donegal. They're performing here. And of course, we also are delighted on Wednesday, the 9th of March, we are doing a book launch with your good self, Mike, and, um, and uh, your colleague who was one of the four, he used to play for Tin Lizzy, um, Seamus Kelleher. And we're looking forward to launching the book Shine the Light. Yeah. So, yeah, would you, tell, would you, can I revert the verse the roles here? Would you tell us a little bit about the book that you're going to be launching, <laughs> and and not not just the book because it seems like a great evening of music as well on Wednesday, March 9th. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've I've often done things like uh, these book signings and book talks, and they can get a bit boring. Um, you know, you can read from it, you take some questions from it, that kind of thing. But I I've written six books, and I've always tried to make them events, you know? So because I, I wrote for the Irish Voice and the music columnist for many years, I there was so many great musicians out there and I thought, well, whoever was would like one of my books would probably like Seamus Kelleher's music because he's a great musical storyteller, you know what I mean? So for years and years, uh, Seamus and I would do with the, these things called rock and reads where I would read, he would rock and it would kind of just break up the reading, you know what I mean? And uh, so sort of provide people with a little bit of a break from my voice, which uh, my, my wife still is looking for. But uh, <laughs> but then, you know, here Seamus, you know, released a book and he's been on to do that for quite some time. And his book is a real such a necessary story about he's had some struggles. He's had some substance abuse struggles. And, and I'm not tell, telling tales out of school because he writes about it so uh, eloquently in his book and and mental mental health struggles and uh, it's such a brave book and it's such a necessary conversation that I know for years the Irish and many other cultures have swept under the rug so um, he is actually a, a motivational speaker he's lectured on mental health in Texas A&M University so this is something he's been talking about uh, to the audiences for quite some time 
in between his amazing songs. And, um, you know, now he's got a book that that really just lays it bare. And I'm, I'm just, I could not be more proud of him. Um, and then my books are, um, the frivolity of my books are, uh, This Is Your Brain on Shamrocks. They were uh, humorous essays about growing up Irish and Catholic and guilty in the swamps of New Jersey. You know, when I had, uh, was hung over on a Sunday morning and my mom would knock on the door and say, it's time to go to church. And I'd be like, mom, mass is not going to happen today. My mother would say in her Irish, in limerick accent, well, I'm sure the Lord Jesus Christ didn't want to get up the day he died for your sins. And, you know, that, uh, <laughs> that just, that, that bomb of Irish guilt um, would land on you in the bed. And uh, I, I would tell those stories uh, all the time in the bar and they'd get a laugh. And then people were like, dude, you should write those down. And I put them in the Irish voice for a while and made a book out of them. And those books became plays <clears throat> off Broadway at the Manhattan Repertory Theater. Um, they got option to be made into a TV series called McLean Avenue. And um, one of the things I'm looking forward to sharing with uh, the, the New York Irish Center audience is, you know, you pick up a pen and you start writing and you never know when it was where you're going to go. You know, if you yeah. told me that I was going to have a TV series bouncing around Hollywood looking for a home in the streaming service. And if you told me that the characters in my head were going to run around in a theater, black box theater, I never would have believed you. So I, I love to share my stories about uh, not only the This Is Your Brain on Shamrocks essays, but also the journey and how that's writing has really enriched my life. So I, I think it's going to be a very rich uh, conversation some laughs and also some songs as well. So I, I, if I do say so myself, I think we've got it down, Seamus and I, to really bring a, um, a little bit of something for everybody when they, when they come. That's great. Well, we're looking forward to welcoming you on March 9th for that. That'll be wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, George, thanks for your time. Thanks for the work you do with the New York Irish Center and uh, look forward to tipping a pint with uh, you and the staff when I'm, I'm there in a few weeks. Thank you. And again, spread the word on our, on our St. Patrick's Day party. Uh, Mar March 17th, 3 p.m. to 9 p.m., 40 musicians on stage. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you. All right. Take care. I just can't say enough about the New York Irish Center and Irish centers around the country just like them that provide vital services to children, to seniors. They support the culture with artisan residency programs. And I'm thrilled to be part of the roster at the New York Irish Center March 9th, 2022, I'll be rocking and reading with the great Seamus Kelleher. Join us there. Taste is a This Is Your Brain on Shamrocks production produced by my lovely wife, Barbara. I love you, honey. And I'll see everybody next week.